0: This is the Rich Eisen Show. Here, here, here's another one. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Salty Tua. Let's go, Salty Tua. What is what? What's yeah, the
2: the ball. Dolphins at Lamar this season, are they Super Bowl contenders?
0: At Rich Eisen Show. Yay yeah, or nay? Salty Tua. Let's go, Salty Tua. The Rich Eisen Show. Today's guests. Lakers beat writer for the athletic, Bill Oram actor O'Shea Jackson, Rams general manager Les Snead, plus actor Michael Chiklis. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Yes, sir, it is. Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, Welcome to this show on NBC Sports on Peacock and NBC Sports Audio, Sirius XM Channel 85, the... Rich Eisen Show, Terrestrial Radio Network, coast to coast. Those listening to us on the Odyssey app, you can also get this show in podcast form. We say hello to those listeners who are listening whenever they darn well please. It's available where all podcasts are acquired through the Cumulus Podcast Network. YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for anything that you may have missed. What a fun show we have in store. Not just one, but two. Count them, two. In-studio guests, O'Shea Jackson Jr., is coming here to chop it up with us, and particularly Chris Brockman. who and they, they have such a wonderful Twitter relationship <laughs> with each other. I've
2: got a whole outfit planned, too. Going back and so. forth. Oh, is that right? Fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we'll put a pin in that for the moment. Uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., who is one of the more vocal Los Angeles Lakers fans, let alone one of the more uh, vocal Los Angeles Lakers fans here from uh, the acting community in, uh, in Los Angeles, California. He is here in studio. Our number two and uh, his uh, uh, Laker fandom and love of all things Lakers and hatred of all things Celtics will be counterbalanced to be fair and balanced in our number three with our in-studio guest Michael Chickless, who is a diehard Celtic fan and right up his alley, right up all of our alleys, played expertly the role of Red Arback in winning time on HBO. Can't wait to have Michael Chickless here in studio um those are two in studio guests we're very much looking forward Can't to wait. seeing uh we've also got uh, dj mikey diaz and d's nuts good to see you too. and uh, tj jefferson is lighting the candle to officially start this program <laughs> i mean see you the mets are eight and two their last ten rich and we're Woo. up nine life is good Woo. right it's good i love baseball major you want to tell them what day it is chris because anytime a new york baseball fan say, talks guys, about how fantastically I mean, their luck. season has begun he's like he, he's like yeah. the watchman it's over there. Oh, it's it's only, June 7th. It's only uh, August 15th yeah, at some yeah, point. We're right. going to get to that At point. some point. yeah. Well, that's still two
2: months away. Yeah, one guys. of us is picking confetti 7th. out of our hair in the Canyon <laughs> of Heroes, and he's like, but so it's only told November 3rd. <laughs> Do you want to give me the field? Are we doing a New York versus the field,
0: no uh, Let's hold off on yeah. that. Let's oh, well, not, well, you're the let, one I counting mean, the standings. Look at you getting your, your hackles up. Just... Just get Can, your... Oh, change your on his way. Get Can, your wardrobe change, here, change I'm ready. fired up. All right, man. I'm fired up. We start this show with <laughs> the tale of two ADs here in Los Angeles, California. Oh. The tale of ADs. You don't
2: mean assistant director. Here no. in LA.
0: No, I don't mean the assistant director. Not athletic the, director. No, no, no. Two okay. ADs. Let's start with the, uh, the one who just uh, made a ton of money yesterday, and that's Aaron Donald. Cool. Aaron Donald said he would have been at peace with his career had he no longer played another down. He told that to our friend Brandon Marshall on his I Am Athlete podcast. And this is the Aaron Donald who uh, was front and center on Super Sunday, and I'm not just talking about his walk-off sack, essentially, of uh, Joe Burrow. I'm talking about the pregame. I'm talking about the conversation, the the what-what, before kickoff. And the what-what was Aaron Donald's thinking of retiring? Really? The guy who had the walk-off hurry, of Jimmy Garoppolo in the NFC Championship game, the guy or the, the walk-off sack of, of Kyler Murray in a crucial regular season game that put the Rams up and the NFC West for good. That guy? That guy, the perennial first-team all-pro player, the guy who's pretty much got a bust in Canton, Ohio already, that guy? He's done? Age 31, really? Well, he said he was at, he'd be at peace if he didn't play another down. Even though he kind of went to the parade and said he wanted to run it back. But you know what will make you at peace? What we'll <laughs> make- <laughs> I could think of a few things. <laughs> what will make you at peace is a $40 million raise. Hey, That'll do it. A $40 million raise over his final three years of his remaining contract. The Los Angeles Rams essentially ripped up his three-year deal that he had. And replaced it with a three-year deal that will give him 40 more million dollars over its lifespan. And he's got a no-trade clause, so the Rams can't send him anywhere. He now gets 65 guaranteed million dollars over the next two seasons. And in 2024, can either tap out and go and be at peace. Or he can come back and play for another 30 million bucks. That's an incentive... To say uh, stick around for 2024 when you're 34, 35 years old. The average of his contract over the next three years is north of $31 million. It is easily the most lucrative contract on an annual basis of any player in the NFL who does not play the quarterback position. And Aaron Donald is worth every single cronky cent of that contract. It is exactly why, when I heard him say he was at peace and there was a business aspect of this whole thing, exactly why I knew that our third-hour guest in the general manager of the Los Angeles Rams, Les Need, would figure it out in the same way that we're constantly asking about Les Snead, does he not care about the draft picks? Hmm. How does he keep doing it? Building a winning team without a first-round selection or a top first two-day of the NFL draft selection. Now we're sitting here wondering, do do the Rams not have a salary cap? (laughs) How can they redo Stafford's contract? How can they redo Donald's contract? How can they have a $100 million cornerback under the same cap? And Jalen Ramsey, how can they go and sign Allen Robinson? How can they, just fill in the blank, that's the Rams. How can they? And I'll tell you what: when Les Snead is on in hour three, and I ask him Cooper Cup's next, you know what his answer's going to be? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, we're good. We're, we're, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure that out. We got it done. It's not going to be. Yeah, we 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 have no. There is less pie. There's no pie. Well, I got I got I got nothing left in the store for the MVP of the Super Bowl, the guy who just had the triple crown of the wide receiving position in twenty twenty one. A guy who, as I heard on. Uh, coming to work the other day as I listened to the show that precedes this one on, on NBC Sports on Peacock. every Dan Patrick show. One of his listeners nicknamed Cooper Cup White Rice. i would not heard that one before. <laughs> they're going to pay, pay White Rice. That's not a good name for Cooper Cup, by the way. That's what the guy nicknamed him. He deserves but, better. No, that's not he, a good name. <laughs> he is going to get his. Okay. And that's why the Rams are not only a next-level franchise where they are a team that can go back-to-back this season, 1,000% that can happen. They have the roster to do it. They've got the coaching staff to do it. All they've got to do is stay healthy, and they're going to be winning more games than not. They have the best player, all-around player in football, which is a way to say He's not a quarterback. Best all-around player in football, and Aaron Donald may be the best player at that position ever. There's an argument that he's the best defensive player ever, and a lot of people are like, hold your horses. There's Lawrence Taylor. There's Reggie White. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of hold your horses. Guess what can be held in the next two to three years? More parades here in Los Angeles, and those horses no longer need to be held. Aaron Donald over the next three years can indeed make the case that he's the best defensive player in the history of the national football league. And part of the reason why he could pull that off is because the Rams are smart enough to say, we're going to pay this guy. And that resonates in the locker room as well. And if you want to go next level, and we always do here, Les Snead is clearly doing this for many reasons. And there there are selfish reasons. He's the best player in football. He deserves to be paid this money. If he can, if he can spend it, give it to him. Cronkey is smart enough to say Les, you're the general manager. You do it. Go for it. Team president, Kevin Demoff. Go for it. Take that money. He, it, his leverage is, I'll just retire. I'm at peace. Give it to him. And giving it to him, do you know who that places pressure on to? How about the team that you played for the NFC Championship game, happens to be in your division, that has Nick Bosa ready to be paid. Yep. And what do you think Nick's thinking? <laughs> he, and, and you consider sit here and go, well, Nick, you haven't done what Aaron Donald's done. Nick. Well, that's a fact. <laughs> you, 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 you haven't done what Aaron Donald's done. That hey, Nick, a, you're not... Nick's you're not, also
2: 24.
0: Nick's also ready to be paid. And the market says... A player who is stellar on the defensive line can make this amount of money. You have reset the market. You're the Rams. You can afford it. You can give it to them, and you do it. How do you think that contract got lobbed into Santa Clara at the front offices of San Francisco? Who has, apparently, Debo Samuel showing up for mandatory minicamp this week, and he's got to be paid. And maybe you pay Cup before Debo's got to do that deal. And you throw that into San Francisco's front office and you kind of blow things up for your opponent too. Chef's kiss giving Aaron Donald this money. As for another AD, again, we just talked about Aaron Donald here on this program. Another AD here in Los Angeles, California. His name's Anthony Davis. He's already been paid. He's paid a lot of money. But unlike the other Aaron Donald, the other AD here, over the last couple of years, he's not been able to dress very much. Charles Barkley's nicknamed him street clothes. There would have been a parade here had there been no pandemic and no bubble in which the Lakers won that championship. Unfortunately for them, no parade. Remember LeBron kind of said maybe we, uh, we have two parades when the Rams won it. Remember he suggested that the Lakers can have their belated parade that never happened. And it was kind of like, okay, all good. And the general sense is, you know what, just wait a year because you've got Anthony Davis and you've got (laughs) LeBron and Russell Westbrook showed up and you put them all together. It's an outstanding fantasy team for the 2015-16 season, right? (laughs) But what about 21-22? No bueno. Again, because... A.D., part of the equation for L.A., L, the Lakers, 76 games played over the last two seasons. Put the last two seasons together, he hasn't even played a single full season. But, as LeBron pointed out at the end of the season, he's healthy, LeBron is healthy, and Russ stays healthy. Just run it back. Run it back. Unfortunately, in the 22 games that they played with each other last year, they were 11-11. That's a 500 team. That will get you in the playoffs as a play-in tournament team, but that's not what the Lakers are about. They're about championships. They're about hanging banners. They're about hashtag winning time. So enter Darvin Ham, the new head coach. This is what's placed in front of him, an incredibly talented player who can't stay healthy, an all-time great goat who is playing well beyond the expectation level of anybody at age 37 last year, but then you think he's LeBron James and you expect it, and can you expect to do? he does it again as age 38, which is what he'll turn in December? I think you can expect LeBron's greatness to show up. Uh, what about Russ? Is he going to be on the team? Well, Darvin Ham was introduced yesterday as the Los Angeles Lakers head coach. And um, interestingly enough, Ham was asked about Westbrook, and Westbrook was standing right there. Did you see this? I did not. Russ, okay, so Ham and Palinka are sitting at the front of this press conference. Okay. And to the left is. Russell Westbrook just standing off to the left, kind of standing there watching the press conference. Observing. Watching and observing. Interesting. And Bill Orham, our guest who's going to be joining us in five minutes' time from The Athletic, asks him the question about what about Russ? And we'll play that for you in a second before Bill joins us. And essentially the answer was Russ is going to be here. And he kept on saying over and over and over again, that it's about defense and that Russ will be asked to sacrifice. LeBron's going to be asked to sacrifice. Anthony Davis is going to be asked to sacrifice. And my question is, what's Anthony Davis going to sacrifice? (laughs) You know what? He needs to sacrifice whatever needs to be sacrificed to keep him healthy. What does that mean? Like a a, a chicken or something? Like, what do you got to do? Like, do we got to sacrifice something on the altar of the basketball health gods? uh, Because what's he going to sacrifice? I don't know. What's LeBron going to sacrifice? I, I don't know what that meant, and certainly in terms of defense. You know what he said about the defense is that Russ may have to do things without the ball, Uh-oh. and that's, let me look it up, <laughs> not his forte. Playing defense, not his forte, and he hasn't made a shot in like two years, it feels like. So the Lakers, like the Rams, are going to run it back. I like the Rams running it back a hell of a lot better, and their AD and the chances of them running it back with their AD and Aaron Donald a hell of a lot better than this one. I don't know, Lakers fans, you couldn't get excited about Darvin Ham. He's a six foot seven former player. He's bringing Rashid Wallace with him. They're going to have some toughness, and again, that's what Palinka kept talking about, as if Frank Vogel was just not the toughest guy around. You got to have toughness. Maybe he's watching all these Celtics games and he's seeing toughness. He's seeing guys being put on their ass. He's seeing offenses like the Warriors getting disrupted. He's seeing teams like the Heat getting out-muscled and beaten. He's seeing the defending champs in the Bucs get bounced. But the star players of the Celtics are young. The team in... Its entirety, with the exception of Al Horford, is young. The Lakers are old. The Lakers are old, and they've got their young stud in street clothes. Running it back, a fascinating concept here in Los Angeles. And maybe they have no other choice. They have no other choice if they're not going to attach a first round selection to the trade of Russell Westbrook to get him out clear his salary, bring in players right now that can play well and do complement what Anthony Davis and LeBron James can do. But you're asking a team to start sacrificing and playing tough defense when one guy is 38, another guy who can block his shots isn't playing because he's hurt, and Westbrook, is he is he suddenly going to turn into Marcus Smart at the advanced age of... Of his career. I don't know, man. I mean, it sounds great. Unlikely. It sounds great from their new head coach, but the roster doesn't match. Bill Orham, who uh, was at that press conference, is our first guest. We'll talk about this with diehard Laker fan, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Our number three, Michael Chickless, who plays right our back on winning time, diehard Celtic fan, New England sports fan. Can't wait to have him here here in studio. And then... uh, the man who just made Aaron Donald a piz player. Les need will join us top of hour number three. And then there's you at 844-204-RICH. Number to dial. The San Francisco 49ers organized team activity and mandatory minicamp starting today. Was, where's Debo? All googly eye emojis are on there. 844-204-RICH. Number to dial. We're off and running here. Bill Orham, who covers the Lakers for The Athletic when we return. on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-richnumber.com. Bill Oram covers the Los Angeles Lakers for the uh, Athletic, and he asked asked the, the number one question, and fascinating enough, Russell Westbrook was standing Right there, watching this entire exchange that started by the Bill Oram asking the new head coach, Darvin Ham, about Westbrook.
1: Specifically on Russ, you know, a lot has been made about his fit with LeBron. And, and we didn't see it a ton last year with, with injuries. But um, how do you see those three working together? How do you see Russ fitting? And um, I guess more, you do see him here, I guess, based on the way you're talking. Absolutely. I mean, just our running habits. And Russell, don't, don't, don't get it messed up. Russ is one of the best players our league has
0: ever seen, and there's a still a ton left in that tank. I don't know why people tend to try to write him off. I'm going to approach him like I do every player I've ever encountered. Chris. We're going to talk about our running habits with the ball, without the ball, and, again, the, to- the-, the team, the-, the rhythm right of the there. team, and-, and trying to establish a rhythm with LeBron, wow. Russ, A.D., and-, and, again, share the load defensively and offensively. Defensively is where you're going to see us make our biggest leaps and, and bounds. We have to commit to the defensive side of the of, of the ball, or we don't have a chance to do anything. The offense won't even matter if we don't get stops. So I'm uh, telling you, Jarvin uh, uh, Ham was talking about thanks. defense nonstop. Like
2: say something bad
0: about on him, on Monday, and Russ standing right there. Bill Orham here on the Mercedes-Benz van's phone line on the Rich Eisen Show. Did you see Russ there when you started posing the question, Bill?
1: Oh oh yeah, I, I saw him over there, and then I immediately it's, uh I immediately trained my eyes on Russ while Darwin was answering because so I was curious how he was going to respond to um hearing hearing that kind of direct you know feedback and perspective from the guy he's going to be answering to you know this this next season, assuming the Lakers keep him around, and you know it was interesting, like you said, I mean, the message is not that different from what I think other coaches have asked of Russell Westbrook, you know, play defense, be willing to um you know really commit offensively when you, you don't have the ball, um, which is obviously going to be key with, um, with LeBron James when he's on the floor with LeBron. Um, but, you know, it, it's just going to be a matter of whether or not Russ feels a different connection with Darvin Ham than he felt with Frank Vogel, and if Darvin can get, you know, even 50% more buy-in from Russ than, than Frank did, because that was a huge problem for the Lakers last year was um, Russ was tuning Frank Vogel out almost from the beginning as he sort of revealed after the season when he, you know, was kind of griping that, you know, Frank didn't had had something against him. So if he feels a little more um, engaged with Darvin Ham, that's gonna be huge. But at the same time, Darvin is asking Russ to do things that Russ has shown that he either doesn't want to or can't do. So I'm I'm gonna be really fascinated to see how this goes if the Lakers keep Russ around.
0: Well, I mean uh, Ham's been around this league a long time. Uh, he's a smart cookie as well. Uh, is it possible that he's just Throwing these rose petals at the feet of a guy who was in the room, and uh, the idea is he's not going to be there anyway. What do you think of that?
1: I, I mean, that there's certainly wisdom to that, and it's certainly, it, you know, I wrote something, you know, a month or two ago saying that the Lakers needed to, to reverse the narrative on Russell Westbrook because everyone was so cocksure that the Lakers were, you know, hell bent on trading Russ at any cost this summer that it was completely driving his value down. And they have certainly gone the other way and made everyone think that they're going to keep him, and so are they posturing are they are they positioning themselves for leverage, or are they kind of bracing for the realities of a you know an uninterested marketplace where there isn't going to be a, a trade that makes sense for Russell Westbrook where the Lakers can recoup some value without completely hamstringing themselves for the future? so are they sort of preparing the fan base and preparing themselves for the idea of doing this for one more year and hoping that New leadership and a new voice might yield a different result, and that's kind of what we don't know at this point. But you know, everything I've talked, because I asked people at the Lakers yesterday, like how sincere is, is the you know keeping Russ um, chatter? And the response was, you know, hey, if we you know if we can't get um, if we can't get a, a fair deal, then we may have no choice. So you know, I think the Lakers are are mentally preparing themselves for the possibility of bringing Russell Westbrook back. I don't think anybody is, is saying that that is the ideal scenario. I think this is a, a, a marriage of necessity, not a marriage of choice. At this point, you know, they back themselves into a corner and they kind of have to live with their decision. Um, so I, I think that you know, Darwin Ham, like you said, he's smart. He certainly understands the situation. And by the way, like Darwin blew a lot of smoke up, uh, you know, in in Russ's direction. You know, a lot of praise, a lot of hype. But he also said, you know, he wants him to be the same high intensity and energy player that he's been in his career. But that a lot of that's going to need to be defensively and off the ball, and so you know I think that that is sort of you know preparing Russ for a lot of the same demands that Frank Vogel tried to make a year ago, which is you know you're going to have to adjust your game in order for it to work here. But we've never seen Russ yield; he's not a player who yields or adjusts, and um, that means we could be in store for another awkward season if he if he stays.
0: Well, I mean, you're 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 answer you just gave there bill orman the athletic here on the rich eisen show when you said you asked lakers folks yesterday about westbrook's future there the answer wasn't absolutely like what ham said it sounds like their plan is to absolutely see what they can get for him first and then resignedly hold on to him and make it you know make chicken salad if that's necessary is that the plan, basically, for him right now, you
1: think? I mean, that's when, That's when 100% my uh, read of the situation, where, um, you know, they still, I mean, we aren't to the draft yet. We aren't to free agency. You know, the Lakers obviously pulled off the deal for Russell Westbrook uh, on, on draft day last year. That's when a lot of this stuff um, comes together. So I think there is a real curiosity on the part of the Lakers to see how the marketplace sort of shakes out and what, what could be available. Um, but I do think also that there has been, Sort of a, a a grudging acceptance of 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 maybe needing to hold off on a deal that, that this is not coming together in the way that they would have hoped. Um, you know, where a, a clear uh, you know opportunity to unload Russ and recoup some value was going to present itself. So, yes, I mean it makes sense for Darwin to say absolutely because if he's, if Russ is still here, you know it's going to be you know Darwin Ham's biggest task getting Russell Westbrook to buy in and adjust his game, and so. If Russ is standing right over there in the corner listening, you know, you can appeal to Russ by saying, I believe in you, you are one of the greatest players of all time. That is going to resonate. And what I wrote in my story today uh, at The Athletic was, you know, Russell Westbrook had to have loved what he heard from Darvin Ham, but the worst thing that could happen for the Lakers is is if he starts to believe it. And they need to kind of thread this needle of massaging his ego, but also you'll find a way to hold him accountable without losing him, which is a, definitely a risk with a player uh, with a player like
0: Russ. Bill Orm of, like of The Athletic here on the Rich Eisen Show. What about LeBron's future? Doesn't that have to be handled in a way similar to maybe what happened with uh, Aaron Donald, right, where uh, you pay him more? Um, obviously Donald didn't get more years on his contract, but there, there's, the contract has to be addressed, right? For LeBron, it, do,
1: it does. Obviously, he's a free agent in 2023. If they don't get an extension done this summer, um, you know the thing that the Lakers have sort of you know back channeled is they're very comfortable with the LeBron situation. They feel that you know they have you know LeBron on on board. They believe that he is committed. He obviously loves being in LA. Um, you know, he, he has shown a commitment in those private in those private conversations. The Lakers have sort of indicated, and, and my colleague Sam Amick has reported that they would be comfortable with him going year to year if if that was what he wanted to do. Um, you know, to sort of maintain his flexibility at this stage in the career in, in his career. So I don't think they are necessarily panicking if he doesn't sign an extension this this summer. But um, I think that would obviously be their preference to ensure that you know they are the ones who benefit from his talents. But at the same time. You're talking about a player who's going to be you know, 38 years old uh, by the end of the year, and um, who knows what you know, LeBron looks like at the end of a two-year extension if, if he ends up signing that. So it's a delicate situation, but obviously the Lakers know that if they don't have LeBron James, they don't have, they don't have much going for him, especially with the way the rest of the, the rosters have been built and assets have been expended. So um, you know, that, that extension can't be dealt with until August, so there's a lot of pieces that are going to have to fall into place first. And I guarantee you, I mean, LeBron James is going to be basing his decision in some part on what the Lakers do and what the Lakers put together, and how he views, you know, the next three years of you know Lakerdom. And I do think I do think hiring Darvin Am was a good first step. Um, you know, LeBron's tweet in support of LeBron I thought was very encouraging. You know, showed obviously a, a real uh, level of buy-in from LeBron um, and excitement from LeBron with with the coaching decision. And so that's kind of the first piece of the puzzle. What do they do uh, you know, around the draft and then in free agency? And does LeBron then see, think that that's something worth signing up for three more years of? Or does he want to maintain his, his flexibility? And that's a decision I guess the Lakers are, are comfortable leaving up to him.
0: Well, obviously the Lakers want him in a Laker uniform when he breaks Kareem's record. That's for sure. And, um, but there's more than just a ceremony here. The, the, the ceremony they want is a parade. That's the, what they want to get. And I'm wondering if you if you got the Laker front office, if, if not Genie Buss, in a room and asked them, is this what they envisioned when they first signed LeBron um, towards the end of his contract? To have a roster that does have a young stud star on it, but he um, not only can't stay healthy, you did have to trade away a ton of young talent to go get him, and you're watching them blossom elsewhere, especially Ingram in, in New Orleans. Um, yep. You know, do, do you think that this is what they were hoping for? Are they are they pleased with the result and the future of it, Bill Oram? Do you think?
1: Boy, that is a that's a that's a good question, Rich. Because Thanks. I think I think the Lakers were prepared to trade all those young guys when they got LeBron. I think they understood that the, the rules of the game had changed when they got LeBron James in the summer of twenty of twenty eighteen. Um, but I mean, listen, they've made the playoffs. You know, they've they've only made the playoffs two out of LeBron's four years. They lost in the first round one of those two years. So really, three of the four years they've had LeBron have been absolute duds. And and then in there, you've got a championship. So it's a really hard situation to evaluate. But I think, you know, I mean, give the Lakers truth serum. They believe that they can be contenders next year with with the state of the roster as it is. And, you know, that is going to require... Luck, it's going to require certain things breaking their way in in roster construction. It's going to require, you know, some players, you know, continuing to grow and evolve. I mean, maybe you, you need Austin Reeves to become a even higher level impact player, you know, but the Lakers believe that they still have more championships in this LeBron James construction. And, and so in that sense, I think that, you know, they do feel like it's a success. But I also think they understand that mistakes have been made along the way and that they've, and they've made this a lot harder on themselves than, than, it, than it than they certainly would have hoped.
0: Bill Orem, a couple more minutes left with the athletics. Uh, Bill Orem covering the Lakers here on the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, our colleague Mark Stein um, reported on his substack last week that Darvin Ham extracted some concessions uh, about his staff makeup uh, as well as keeping one of the Rambi out of his um, coaches' meetings um, in a way that Frank Vogel was not afforded, is that true, Bill?
1: That's what I was told. I was told that the day that Darwin <laughs> agreed to the contract, that he was going to have the, the full latitude to hire his own staff, um, which you know um, is is something that you know Frank Vogel was very open about, and you know he said he acknowledged that the Lakers brought Jason Kidd to him, and he you know interviewed him, and he you know made the decision, but it was obviously it was the organization's wish to have Jason Kidd on his staff. And of course he was on his staff. And I think there were elements of that elsewhere because I mean, there was, it wasn't like Frank Vogel had a history with David Fisdale. Um, So I think that I, the question really for the Lakers is how much have they learned from their past mistakes with their coaches? Because they've been so heavy handed with Luke Walton, with Magic Johnson, basically threatening Luke's job two weeks into the season in 2018, setting the kind of, you know, the course toward his eventual firing. Same with Frank Vogel uh, last year, the one-year extension, uh, micromanaging his staff, being in the coaches' meetings, um, Kurt Rambis blowing up on the coaching staff really early in the season, threatening threatening their jobs. Can the Lakers get out of their own way, and more importantly, can they get out of Darvin Ham's way and let him do the job they've hired him to do? If they can, if, they have, if they've realized that they are um, – that they are that the way they've handled coaches reflects poorly on the organization causes bad blood between the coaching staff and the front office um, if they've learned that then there's a chance that this could work um, you know I just don't know we just haven't seen that from from this Lakers front office really an ability to sort of learn from their mistakes but um it's a good coaching hire. It seems like they've done the right things so far. I'm gonna be very curious to see what Darwin's staff looks like because you've got a lot of cooks in the kitchen with the Lakers, right? And Frank Vogel's staff had, you know, Phil Handy, who obviously has a history with LeBron, Mike Penberthy, who is the preferred um, you know, assistant coach of Anthony Davis and, and was with him in New Orleans. So, you know, are those figures who obviously are very important to the stars and the stakeholders with the Lakers are they going to you know Are they going to remain with the organization? I mean, how about some of the other the other pieces? And so at that point, you know, it's like okay, Darwin has the the autonomy to hire his own staff, but also if he looks around, he probably also knows who who he needs to keep happy. So I'm going to be really curious to see what this staff. Yes, he gets to assemble it himself, but at the end of the day, what's it what's it going to look like is going to be a very interesting question.
0: Yeah, I mean, you just take a look at the two teams that are in the finals right now, the ones that were in the finals last year. Right, it just doesn't. Uh... It doesn't compute. I mean, I guess Chris Paul being in the finals last year could be, for the lack of a better analogy here, Bill. I understand, like a LeBron type figure, where the guy is towards the end, much closer to the end of his career, or his basketball mortality than everyone else, but surrounded by uh, winners and uh, uh, a Coach of the Year, right? Or you take a look at the Celtics, Jalen Brown, and and and. Tatum and the young kids with just Al Horford in a, in a certain role. You got the Warriors with Kerr. I mean, who who has assistants on the staff that are handpicked by the stars, right? That are put together. I, I, it's just it just seems to me like a threading of the needle to just run it back right now with a with a window to close. I'm not saying it's never going to happen, but um, odds are, which is a phrase that I, I <laughs> I've been using a lot around here lately. It just it just seems bleak, Bill. I'm not going to lie. Not I
1: com- I completely agree with you, and I think you know the Lakers are in kind of a constant state of evaluation of what's their best path forward. And you know, I think for now they still feel like it's you know running it back feels a little defeatist, but it it does you know it's that or or what? I mean, you're trading Anthony Davis, trading LeBron James, completely tearing it down, trying to you know recoup assets and then give yourself a five year timeline. I feel like the Laker- I think the Lakers feel like it's too soon for that. I think that that sort of doesn't follow through on sort of the pact that they made with LeBron when they signed him in 2018. So uh, even though that, th- th- there's a very logical argument to be made for that, right? It- it's, time to, it's time to find a new path. Um, but I don't think they're there yet. But, it, it, but you're right. As you look at the, re- at the rest of the league, it, it's hard to see how the Lakers get back to the top with, with this current assemblage.
0: Bill, appreciate the time. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks for the, thanks for the time the day after that uh, big press conference.
1: Always a pleasure,
0: Rich. Thank you. Right back at you. At Bill Orem on Twitter, I follow him. You should as well, from The Athletic. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if it's fair or not. You just take a look at where <clears throat> the Celtics are and how they're made up. They're the ones who are in the finals right now. It's a far cry. That said, Celtics look dead in the water in January. And if you can't trade away Russ, and you have to run it back, there are worse running it back options. True. <laughs> When, when LeBron is one, Anthony Davis. Diff- I mean, one time I got like I said, sacrificing. You have to sacrifice whatever ritual sacrifice needs to happen to keep him healthy. If he stays healthy, what a totally different ball of wax. And and I don't know. Can Russ be a role player? Is that what we're asking of him? Like he's got to play a role. Yeah, you know, Rich. What's his and what would that role be like? Right. I kind of
2: slag on it just because, you know, I'm not a fan of their team. But what Miami has done in terms of heat culture, I think, is a real thing. And you kind of saw that with Boston. They finally bought into Ime Udoka's culture the second half of the year. And when I think about the Lakers, I don't think that's a team with a culture. And I think that's why you've kind of seen it blow up the last two years. Oh,
0: no, there's a culture. And it looks like it's a clutch sports culture. What that looks like.
2: Well, it obviously doesn't work. Well,
0: what the, I mean, you're hearing LeBron loves that assistant, Anthony Davis loves that assistant, the Rambuses love that assistant, yeah, the well. Lakers like that guy, and they put it all together, and then all of a sudden it doesn't work. That's what it looks like. It's the culture is just, hey, you know, let's get one guy who's the one of the best players from clutch sports. Yeah, but you're throwing a bunch together, of ingredients in a uh, pot together. that don't go together. Well or they can and Darwin Ham's the right chef. And that Maybe. may be what the plan is here. They better hope so. In the same way again, I get, you could just go back to and any it just it looks bleak. There's just no question about it. But your Celtics looked look they like they were made the wrong move with the front office, and the coach and the roster looked unworkable with such young players. Maybe you have to break up one of these young players, send send Jalen Brown packing. Well, they also acquired right. a couple
2: of players and then immediately cut bait on them. They were able to admit, hey, this isn't working, even though we just brought you in. Dennis Schroeder, Josh Richardson. See ya. See ya. Out. And it looked bleak. Overpay for Derek White. Everyone up there is being like, what is this move?
0: Right. And tomorrow night they're hosting an NBA Finals game. Yep, 1-1. One, one. With three home games left, they win every home game, there's a duck boat parade, again, in Boston. Yep. And that certainly didn't look that way. And so if you're a Laker fan, you're like, well, the entire equation of what we just saw in Boston, maybe Darvin Ham is our yeah. Ime Udoka, right? And the Tatum and Brown are terrific, whatever, but we have LeBron and AD. And if Russ can just, you know, fill in the blank, that seems to be the plan right now. But I found it interesting that Bill Orem said that they're, when he asked the Lakers front office people or whomever, you know, about Russ, and they're like, yeah, if we don't get anything for him that's appropriate, then we'll just hold on to him. And then we'll run it back. But Darvin Ham was asked by Orem, like, sounds like he's going to be here. He's like, absolutely. Which is what he's got to say. Hmm. The question is, will that be the case? Let's take a break. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Tons of in-studio guests coming up here on the Rich Eisen show. O'Shea Jackson Jr. and Michael Chiklis and you, 844-204 Rich. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts people, or as you might know from their jingle, o o o O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. Back here on the Rich Eisen show, eight four four two zero four. Rich is the number to dial. Uh, I'll take some phone calls uh, in a matter of moments here on the program. Um, so if you're on hold, stay on hold. Look, uh, I'm I'm <clears throat> sometimes I like to say I'm a seer. I, I see things. I know that's a, I'm borrowing a phrase from Michael Irvin. I, I feel things in my gut. I've been around the NFL block every now and then. Told you, Leslie. Les, Le- Les Snead was going to handle um, the Aaron Donald situation. Well, I guess they kick over a rock and they find forty million extra dollars in the salary cap for for him over a three year span. I have no idea what smoke and mirrors or tricks are <laughs> used to 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 afford this sort of thing. I, I I don't know. Apparently,
2: that deal freed up two million dollars. It's Did entirely I that?
0: possible. I don't I don't know. And and, and again, we're going to have Les Snead on in hour three and. And uh,
2: it's going to be like the beautiful mind. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, don't, like I, don't know. I mean, we'll, right we'll ask him best
0: he can tell. And I, and I, I, you know, that that you don't talk about getting in the weeds. You're talking about, well, you can, you know, convert this and do that. And it's after June one here. And I, I mean, it, uh, honestly, my, 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 I'm more verbal than math, to be very honest with you. You know, I never did very well with the science piece, the wedge for, for trivial pursuit. Uh, I, I, I don't get those things, but, I knew Les need was going to handle it. I just felt it in my bones, and I, and and no no personal insight on anything. I just felt it. I'm telling all you 49er fans, no matter how it works this week, if Debo's sitting on the side or anything, it's the mandatory minicamp. They moved it up, which is great. I, I mean, I, I guess you got to re-get your plane tickets if you're not a, if you're not in town or anything like that. I don't know how that works, but. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling everybody. Week 1 of the – I feel it. Week 1 of the NFL season. Where's my where's my uh okay. Week 1 of the NFL season. San Francisco 49ers are at Chicago. I'm going to say this. I uh, I see I see a beautiful September afternoon day in Chicago, Illinois. Big, it's 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 the it's a big day. It'll be the unveiling of the Eberflus. Release the Eberflus, okay? In Chicago there's going to be Justin Fields, and it's just a fascinating game. San Francisco and Chicago. I mean, Ooh. holy Mike Singletary. I mean, there's some great games right from back in the day there. Right? Niners,
2: Niner, six and a half point favorite.
0: Who knew that there's even a, a line on that sort of thing? I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I guess I should have known. I think I'll take the Bears and the points. San Francisco gets the. Let's just say the Bears want to put their defense out there first. They win the toss. Ooh. Bears want to put their defense out there first. They defer. You get the ball first, first, Kyle Shanahan. You get the ball first. Niners start the game on offense. Trey Lance will trot out on the field, and he will look either behind him or most likely outlawed because I guess this would be – would that be provocative if they hand it to Debo to start the game? Probably not because they'll pay him. (laughs) He will have been paid. That's the way I'm feeling. Snap one for the 49ers. It's Trey Lance because it's his job. Jimmy Garoppolo will be elsewhere. He won't be on the team. Take the indication that they told him he's excused from a mandatory minicamp that he couldn't even participate in anyway. He can't throw. And Debo will be there and he will be paid. He will be paid.
2: Not Jimmy G handing off to Trey Sermon. That is not happening.
0: Week one. No, sir. No, sir. That is not happening. Could be um Jock Peterson's favorite running back. Jeff Wilson gets the ball from Trey Lance. Could be possible. Tommy Fam's favorite. I just feel it. And I've got the magic eight ball to back me up. Magic eight ball. Am I right? <laughs> About this.
2: Oh, this is going to be great.
0: Signs point to yes. Ah, dang
2: it. (laughs) I wanted to check back. Signs
0: point to yes.
2: Check back later.
0: Take my word for it. And the Magic 8-Ball has backed my play. Thank goodness I have this here off to the side. I feel it. I feel it in my bones. Same way that I knew that this document for Kyler Murray would be Worthy of still having something on my to, desk to this to moment. To? <laughs> He'll play too. He's going to play too. But just, I just said I need to hold on to this. Yeah. By the way, it's held up remarkably well for something that I keep grabbing uh, off I mean, the desk. And you know the way that I handle my my papers. You got here. a lot of stuff. Over you got there, a lot right? of stuff here. You got a lot of stuff. Over. I mean, my schedule's already frayed at the edges. I'm telling you, Debo will be there, and Trey Lance is starting, and that's the way it's going to go in Week One. After the first snap, yeah, you know anything goes. I don't know. Can't help you there. But with your six and a half and your Eberflus and all that business.
2: Yeah, bears on the points. I mean,
0: that is something we're going to learn. You do not bet against the (laughs) Eberflus. You do not bet against it. That would
2: be a hell of a strategy.
0: Hour number two, your phone calls, 844-204-RICH. Tom Brady had an interesting quote that Leonard Fournette attributed to him when Leonard was on a free agent tour. Don't miss that. Your phone calls and O'Shea Jackson Jr. coming up.
2: Was Tom Brady fully clothed when he gave this Oh, quote? dude,
0: did you see that video? Well,
2: I was trying not well, to.
0: Well, he's selling his underwear.
2: I understand.
0: And, um... But... I know.
2: A little too much Brady.
0: Uh, we saw the, 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 the TV3? <laughs> what is that? Uh, I,
2: I, I can make a joke. I mean, we're on Peacock, right?
0: Yeah, you don't so even want he, me to chime in on this he, right he, now. So. He'd be eight and a half. <laughs> okay. Wow, no, dude. Wow, come on, man. But Giselle shot. The, by the way, if you're selling, <laughs> if, he's selling is, if he's selling underwear, if he's selling no? underwear, Giselle shooting a video of him in his bathroom in his underwear is. I mean, a, smart gonna, a, smart a, play, a smart play. It's a smart play, man. Smart play. It's a we're smart talk, play. We're talking. We're talking about it, yeah, yeah. right? Otherwise, we're not I mean, talking about his underwear.
2: Trending all day yesterday.
0: Right. right?
2: Just saying. I don't know. Anything but brief. Goodness. I so. mean, if he wants to send us some underwear, I mean, we can. We could
0: you take it. Try it out, yeah. you take it.
2: I mean, I don't wear much underwear.
0: I mean, you said either. you'd take him back. You'd tell Mac oh, Jones, 100%. see you later. Thanks for playing, Mac, last for, year. Great you job. You just
2: for one year. That's right. Yeah.
0: Well, you yeah. would stop Mac Jones as you would stunt his growth. You would stop it just to take him back one more Mac time. Jo-
2: Mac Jones can get all the reps in practice. Just on Sunday, Brady, oh. Brady's taking the 60 Understood.
0: Snaps. Wait, did you just say you don't wear much underwear? What? That's yeah. what you just I said. I passed by that. I, just, I can't let that one go. What's that mean? You don't wear much underwear. Like you don't wear underwear?
2: It's summertime.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) This is information that is definitely (laughs) unforgettable. Information I did not need to know. What's that line from Seinfeld? There's nothing between the real and the spectacular?
2: No, no, no. The only thing between you and me is a thin
0: layer of gabardine. It's it's gabardine.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm out there, Jerry, and I'm loving every minute of it.
0: One of the first times in a, a long time I'm telling Del Dufo, thank God you're not opening your mouth right now. You don't even know what to say. <laughs> you're I, not paying attention me Yes, either. I am. You're not even paying attention.
2: You came back for this. I don't even want to. Whole,
0: I may be off tomorrow. I'm taking this. the day off now. <laughs> don't take <laughs> I don't, don't off even tomorrow. hear
1: Brock. going commando. I mean, that's what I'm, I'm like. What are we doing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> By the way, uh, Henry, what are we doing? Henry Winkler's on Friday show now. You're not I'm taking off Friday, right? You am literally here
1: all week. I am literally
0: here all week. Did you, watch, did you watch Barry? And you know that literally, no, I haven't seen it yet. Oh you God. know that literally means an actual fact, right? Yes. So you an actual fact you. will be here. I mean, you saw yes. what was going on in my house Sunday night. I mean, God, you got God bless you. On, you were able to watch Barry. A lot
2: going on.